Greetings both history fans and film fans. If you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at History and Film. It's a good way to know when new episodes drop or just see other interesting history or film tidbits. And if you have any other questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email me at simmons at tracknerds.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome to History and Film. I am Rich Simmons, and this is the championship round of our tournament to determine the most interesting person in history. We started with 32 names. We have willed it down to the final two. And since this is History and Film, our approach today is going to be to basically hash out the movies we would like to see from these two individuals who are Cleopatra and T.E. Lawrence. Joining me to help decide this epic battle are Logan Dinning and Joe Hubner. Gentlemen, how's it going this morning? Fantastic. Good to be back. I'm really excited about uh, <laughs> about these these movies. I love, <laughs> I'm like a huge nerd of fantasy castings. Like, oh, if you could cast anybody in this role, or like, if you could recast this movie with anybody, like, I love that stuff. So this was... <laughs> This was a fun little exercise. Yeah, and uh, what's funny, too, is we planned before we even got to this round that that would be the plan, and we really didn't have a didn't know how to approach, what if we have people who have really good movies? So with T. Lawrence in particular, that's one of, Lawrence of Arabia is one of Lawrence's, or <laughs> one of Logan's favorite movies, but we're going to have to recast it and re-script it, and basically we're... I don't want to say remaking, almost almost operating in a world where maybe that movie doesn't exist, maybe it would be the better way to uh, to look at it. And I'm sure we'll each have our own kind of ideas on how to approach this. But I was going to say, we'll start with the lower seed, but these are both four seeds. Um, yeah. <laughs> so since seeding was based on perceived notoriety, will you two be okay if we view T. Lawrence as the lower seed because he is probably less of a household name compared to Cleopatra? Uh, I would say so, yes. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. So, Logan's got the little grill on his face. Like, you're just trying to screw T. Lawrence from the beginning. I mean... <laughs> in, in the bag for Cleopatra. I was almost going to, like, try and make the argument, like, well, like, everyone's heard of Lawrence of Arabia, but, like, everyone has maybe heard the words Lawrence of Arabia. Nobody, know, <laughs> like, probably knows T.E. Lawrence. Right, and everyone's heard of Cleopatra. Yeah, yeah. Right, and yeah. Ed, right, everybody knows Cleopatra. I think she's yeah. definitely, you know, they're they're four seeds because of their brackets. But I think if they were in, if we were doing, you know, notoriety of everybody, I think Cleopatra would be quite a bit higher. Right, she's only a four seed because her region was stacked because Jesus was in it. Right, literally. Jesus right, was yeah. yeah. I, I was gonna say, I, I think that the the ancient ones would be. I think they would skew more if we were, you know, if we did a more list known. of everyone yeah. based on notoriety. I think the ancient ones would skew more notable because, right. well, they just been around, and that you know, everyone in the world knows the name Alexander the Great, Spartacus, Jesus. Like those are right; those are big names. <laughs> not not everybody not everybody is familiar with you know Puyi and John Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically, I'm going to imagine that we are in a writer's room and we are pitching a film about T.E. Lawrence. And we can start with just kind of maybe an overview of the plot you've hashed out. If you want to start with, you know, some casting dream choices, we can go that route. But uh, Logan, let's uh, let's start with you. I'm going to force <laughs> you to remake one of your favorite movies of all time or envision it uh, afresh. Can I interject here a little oh, bit? Oh, yeah, Joe, go ahead. Can I, inter- I want to interject here just because these two 
like I'm as big of a movie nerd as like your average American, <laughs> and these two like it's what they do. So I feel like at a significant disadvantage going into this. <laughs> like I'm just here for the ride, basically. <laughs> I'm just here to hear their pitches. Like I tried my best, but these guys are going to name actors that like I have no clue who they are, <laughs> and they're going to have like this well thought out plot. And I'm going to be like, here's this really basic actor that every normal person would pick. Like, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think I went too. You know, in the week as far as like casting choices. I mean, it, well, I mean, we'll get into it. Like, there are a few like Arab actors in here that you might not know necessarily by name, but I think it'll, it'll be pretty accessible for the most part. And and I'm not super as interested in this or the casting. Like, honestly, I only wrote down ideas for T. E. Lawrence. <laughs> I didn't even look. Okay. That. So I'm probably I'm probably more <laughs> Joe on that. Okay. And and I was more about the brainstorming kind of thing because I mean I do fancy myself a little bit more of of a writer, but at the same time I think brainstorming is part of the writing process. So I was kind of more just ready for the conversation. But uh, let's go ahead and start. Okay. Just I think I like Logan's gonna be chopping at the bit here. Who is, who are we going after? Who are we sending the, who's agent right. are we contacting? Because I have some, I do have some ideas on that and why you're wrong. All right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I was thinking, when I first started thinking about this, I was like, how, if I was going to make a movie about T.E. Lawrence, what would I want it to be that isn't Lawrence of Arabia? And right. it's, and, and it's nothing. It's nothing. Lawrence of Arabia is literally the perfect <laughs> Lawrence movie. It cannot be improved upon. Uh, it can be taken in a different direction. Well, I maybe. I think. It, I think Logan's it's, refusing I think it's perfect... to write rewrite this movie. No, He's refusing. Right. So I, I, I just uh, basically my envisioning of it is it's just going to be a straight up remake. Ah, uh, which okay, sucks. Okay, but if we're saying oh this is a this is a a universe where Lawrence of Arabia doesn't exist, then this is probably the best approximation that we could get, you know, not having Lawrence of Arabia. But because the screenplay is so good, the acting is so good, like the cinematography is amazing, the effects are amazing, the battle scenes are huge and epic. Like, I want all of that to be just like it is. (laughs) In Lawrence of Arabia. You can see a Christopher Nolan version, though, where it's kind of big and modern and big set oh, pieces. It's and funny you say effects. that because my movie is going to be written and directed by Christopher Nolan. <laughs> He's who I picked as the director for Cleopatra, actually. Oh, that's actually. funny. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, went, I went in a completely different direction for Cleopatra, but we'll 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 talk about I that. I went in a completely later, different but... direction for T.E. Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I chose Christopher Nolan specifically because I'm I'm thinking of Dunkirk this comes to new, mind and, yeah. you know 2021 Lawrence of Arabia as kind of like Dunkirk like a big kind of you know cool cinematography big action set pieces you know big battle scenes and stuff like that but Christopher Nolan is still good at doing the character stuff too so I didn't want like you know like a Michael Bay Lawrence of Arabia Ew. but like <laughs> that might also be kind of cool <laughs> but yeah so I I chose Christopher Nolan to to write and direct I think that I think that he could do a good job. And what's funny is I actually didn't even think about directors because in my mind that was us, but we're more of the writers. But the first name that came to mind for me would maybe be more like a Steve McQueen, where he's kind of more of a character focus first, but still definitely capable of some you know visceral uh, scenes. If you think about Twelve Years a Slave or something like that, mm-hmm. you guys are gonna think I'm crazy with mine then. Okay. So so first off, you guys are gonna chastise me because I actually haven't seen Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, so I'm, I'm not laughing at you not seeing it. I'm laughing at Logan's brain right now. Expression. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's insane. <laughs> his face. You could just see his reaction. So I haven't actually seen the movie, but I went Martin Scorsese as the director. Oh, of this movie okay. Okay. Because I actually wanted this to just be a fun, quirky adventure movie. I wanted it to be totally. And the score would be cool. It, it, from yeah. the from the sense of like older Lawrence of, of Arabia writing the seven pillars and him, you know, we talked about, you know, some of the, the fallacies of his writing and his exaggerations mm. of his story. And so that's, that's what I went with. I wanted it to be kind of this over the top Wolf of Wall Street almost feeling. And I'm even thinking Departed as far as kind of a, a looking, looking back and just kind of the, the yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's definitely some visual yeah, listen, options there. Listen, Joe, so Joe came on saying, oh, I don't really watch movies that much. I don't, my, my choice might not be okay. like it, and his is better than mine. I just went with a straight up remake. And he's like, he's actually improving it. <laughs> he's hustled. He hustled us. He hustled us. Well, I went, yeah. I went from a totally different angle. I really expected y'all to like have this. You guys are gonna have the plot way more than I am. I'm just like, I just wanted to be a fun adventure movie directed by Martin Scorsese. Um, <laughs> so my approach was, uh, again, the points are probably the same. It's tough because I don't want to. I'm kind of with Logan. I don't want to leave things out that were in Lawrence of Arabia, but as those who have been listening to the podcast for a while will know, I'm less enamored with the spectacle side of things. So I really want to focus on Lawrence himself. And maybe we're even starting with, you know, a little him being born and his bastard roots and just kind of focusing on little hints maybe. And then maybe throughout the film, we're constantly cutting back to his childhood to parallel his humble beginnings with what's going on in the present. And I'm going to make sure... He actually speaks Arabic in the movie and there were subtitle stuff, subtitling stuff instead of having everything in English like they did back in the 60s and just focusing more on the character. So I want to start the main story with him doing the archaeological stuff when he first mm-hmm. gets tapped by the Brits, but also then the relationships that are happening during that time. And I don't want to hang a big lantern on the homosexuality, I, but I want to. I also don't want to ignore it either and still kind of have it as a thing that's not a focus but it is an attribute, and he maybe has relationships with other, you know, archaeologists, whatever, young people at the time. Or the, but then that's not the point, because he gets recruited to be a spy, and we kind of get into that stuff, and he's speaking Arabic. And even with the Scorsese thing, too, you can even focus on how freaking cool this young guy is, and how valuable he could be to the British cause, and really focus on that side of it, as opposed to big desert vistas. Gotcha. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> With the with my basically remake of Lawrence of Arabia, I think the only changes that I would make is maybe maybe try and make a couple of the scenes a little more historically accurate. But again, I don't I don't know how you would do that with taking away from some of the story of the movie Lawrence of Arabia because like there are things like their raid of Aqaba right. is you know in the movie it's shown like that's a that's a pretty pivotal moment and it's like especially you know impactful because they do it basically all by themselves whereas in reality it was like a multi-prong attack and they had the support of the navy and like the brits knew what they were doing the whole time but again that i that i think takes away from the story in the movie if you make it just a 100% completely historically accurate there were some choices made in the movie that are i think make a better story even if they're not 
100% true. But I also think by making those things more true to reality, you can almost gloss over them more instead of focusing on something that's a cool story beat, but fabricated, gloss over it, right. tell it in the real way, and then come back to like Joe's saying, where it's kind of the reflection after the fact. I'd also want to, again, I'm all about the character. I want to further get into his post-exploits uh, depression and the the identity stuff where he's trying to get back into the Air Force later in life and, and how he's just okay. kind of lost afterward. Almost focus more on who he becomes post-exploits. It's almost like a sequel right. to so, uh, so this is, the original. To Lawrence of Arabia. Th- yeah. This is going to be interesting then to see who you guys cast as T.E. Lawrence because I was thinking more of he's just like in Lawrence of Arabia, it's him fighting in the Arab Revolt in World War One. Um, so I cast T.E. Lawrence as Tom Holland. That's oh. exactly who I picked. Okay. That's exactly so, who oh, I picked. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yes, but right. so I actually, I actually have two Tom, I actually have two T. E. Lawrence's though. Uh, oh, because like a younger guy since this one? is because I wanted, I wanted it narrated by the older T. E. Lawrence, Ooh. and so my narrator, my narrator, and I, I'm probably gonna miss. Is it, is it Ewan McGregor or is it Ewan McGregor? Ewan McGregor. Because I've heard it both. Okay. Too old because Lawrence died at 46. Well, he, you're not going to see him. You're not going to see him. It was I'm my sorry. Thought. Oh, Ewan McGregor. Never he mind. is Never simply. He's, he's, he's a big radiation. Never mind. You're good. He's, he's simply going to be the narrator narrating this as Tom Holland is going on these adventures. Oh, so here's what, what's funny is I thought I had the, like, well, obviously 100% I know who Logan's going to pick, but he's too old. Michael Fassbender, dude. Michael Fassbender is like the perfect T. Lawrence, but he's too old. Exactly. Ironically, I have him in Cleopatra. Oh, that's funny. I have him. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, so I, I cast Tom Holland, be, and it, it seems like thinking about it, it's like, oh, well, Tom Holland, he's like, he's Spider-Man. Like, he's way too young. But in right. real life, Tom Holland is, I think, 24, 25. And when World War One kicked off in 1914, T.E. Lawrence is only 26. Right. So he was he was a young dude doing this. I think when we you know when we think of Lawrence of Arabia, we're thinking of Peter O'Toole, who was probably in his thirties when he's playing that role. He's actually twenty eight when they started filming. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe he just has so much like gravitas. <laughs> gravitas. Well. He just <laughs> seems yeah. he just seems a lot older and mature than he actually. Okay. So all right. But argu- arguably too much gravitas. I think Peter O'Toole, or sorry, I think Lawrence of Arabia. You do want him to be a little right. uh, be- and younger and softer because. Again, we when we think of Lawrence of Arabia, we think of Peter O'Toole, who's, you know, over six feet tall and incredibly handsome. And T.E. Lawrence was like, I mean, he facial wise, like him and Peter O'Toole do look kind of similar, but he was a small dude. Right. He was a small, right. young kid, which I think is actually more interesting. That's true. It makes it, makes it cooler. To have yeah. your character who's like, you know, going on these adventures and he's just like this just a, a short young kid who just happens to speak Arabic. So I went I went a very similar route because I again I kind of thought you guys would yeah anyway you guys you guys are too smart for me. I thought you guys were going to go the older guys and I was going to come in here with my young guy and be like no, here's the correct answer, but I liked I'd love Tom Holland as a choice too, but I put Timothy Chalamet. Oh, okay. So but basically same thing. I, you know, about the same age as Tom Holland, maybe a little more gravitas you could argue. Just uh yeah, just his just his presence well, on screen is a little more serious, but I Holland is almost the the counterintuitive, right. more fun choice. Yeah, my, my thinking too though is this is a Christopher Nolan war epic. I wanted someone who you put him on the poster at selling tickets. Like people see, <laughs> oh Tom Holland as T. E. Lawrence, people are going to see that movie. Directed by Christopher Nolan. Uh, Chalamet sells some tickets, <laughs> not in the same way that Tom Holland does. 
Not in the same way that Tom Holland is a Marvel superstar. Right, right. I mean, Timothy Chalamet is a, is a great actor. Right, And right, he's right. maybe a better actor than Tom Holland. But, I mean, everybody knows, who, like, everyone's going to go see this movie because we're going to have all of the older fans that, like, know Lawrence of Arabia. You know, they, they want to go to, like, the historical war movies. But you're also going to have, like, just the teeny bopper Marvel fans who are like, oh, it's the new Tom Holland movie. It like this is gonna be a summer block. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I had that exact same thought about uh. that new Tom Holland Daisy Ridley movie, but I haven't seen it yet. I, I have no idea what the movie's even called. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I heard it's. I heard it's trash. Uh, well, that's disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is hilarious though that that we both picked Tom Holland for totally different movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like because you're almost going for this more realistic sense, and I'm going for this just like great adventure that I feel like Tom Holland just has that fun personality that he can be this adventure but also at times play that serious role because obviously you have to approach the the war aspects as a more serious aspect of the movie but still on like his archaeology adventures it can just be tom holland being tom holland you know yeah. i think I, th- I think you sold me on tom holland and if i want to see timothy chalamet in the desert i'm going to get that anyway when dune comes out <laughs> when dune comes out there you go yeah <laughs> Did you guys cast other roles? I did. I, he did. I, cast, I did not. I cast a lot more people, yeah. Okay, okay give, I did Give, give well. it to us. Give it to us. Did you guys only do T.E. Lawrence? So, no, I, I casted other roles as well. Okay. Okay, all right. So, I for Sharif Ali, who is in the original is Omar Sharif, I, I cast Tahar Rahim. Oh, see, I'm going to have to look this guy up. What is he in? Okay, so Tahar Rahim, um, did you see the Mauritanian that came out this year? Uh-uh. The Guantanamo Bay movie. Um, did you see? I'm trying to think what else he was in. Um, did you Did you ever watch the uh, the Looming Tower series with uh, Jeff Daniels? Nope. About like the lead up to 9 11. Uh, okay. Um, I'm trying I, to think. I'm, I got IMDb though. I, I got him, I got him pulled up. Okay. Okay. Oh, I've seen a prophet. Is he a, is he in the prophet? He is. Yeah. Oh, and the past. So yeah, he's been a lot. I've seen uh I've seen some things that yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's he's Algerian. So he is. He does. He speaks Arabic. So no, no need for subtitles there. And yeah, I, I think that he'd be a good choice. He's a great actor. But yeah, did you? Did either one of you guys cast a uh, cast for Sharif? Ali? I did. Uh, obviously, again, my my thoughts on some of these actors are going to be way less thought out than Logan's because I picked Tony Shalhab. Oh, Shalhoub. Yeah, Shalhoub. Yes. Okay. So oh, again, okay. mispronouncing. Yeah. I picked him um, because my thought was really just looking for an older looking Arab actor. I don't believe I've seen anything that he's actually been in. Uh, he's in the he's in the first Men in Black. Okay, well I have seen that, but I have no idea what role he is in Men in Black. But <laughs> I know he he's mostly famous for the TV show Monk, but I haven't ever watched right. that. And I've only seen an episode yeah. or two. Yeah, yeah. he just kind of looked the part to me. He's in Galaxy Quest. Classic, classic <laughs> movie. Marvelous Ms. Maisel <laughs> is what you need to watch. <laughs> so. There was one other uh, character that I wanted to make sure to mention before we get into all the anybody else that Logan had as far as like later in T.E. Lawrence's life. Because did you pick anybody for like his childhood friend? No, I so okay. again, like I said, I, I went basically with a direct remake, a straight of, remake. Of yeah. Lawrence of Arabia. So all of the characters that I cast are all characters from Lawrence of Arabia. So I did oh, not okay. cast anyone. I didn't cast. Yeah, I didn't cast his childhood friend or, or anything like that. Okay. Uh, well, so I did go ahead and cast him, and I actually combined two characters. I combined Cyril Beeson, who was his childhood friend, and Leonard Woolley, who was the one of the main people that he was doing archaeology uh, in Syria with. 
Okay. And I combined them as Matthew Lewis, who is Neville from Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. So, and I, again, it was just kind of somebody that I wanted to be a, a quirky companion to Tom Holland, who was similar in age. I think he's a little older than Tom Holland, but I felt like he could be that quirky sidekick the whole movie, or at least, you know, up until the uh, Arab Revolt. See, Joe hustled the whole audience when he said that his wasn't good. And his has more thought and is better cast. No. <laughs> Joe's is the best movie out of the three of you. Joe actually wrote the full script. He actually wrote the full script. He's getting ready to turn it in. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't at all. Oh, and yeah. I, and it's, it's already greenlit. You know, it's... I, didn't, I didn't at all. I went, I went in with this. I, I'm going to say I was nervous. I, I felt like I had to put a lot of effort in anticipating what you guys were going to bring to the table. And Sid Rich only cast one character. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm here for the discussion i'm here for the discussion i i'm big yeah. i'm the big picture guy <laughs> all right so uh moving down the my list of of characters here so i wanted to cast prince faisal as well who in the original is played by alec guinness in brownface he so alec guinness turns in a great performance but I wanted to I wanted to cast it with someone who is uh you know more ethnically accurate. Uh so I went with Ali Suleiman, who is he was in uh Paradise Now. He was one of the uh the bombers. He's also been in well, he's been in a bunch of he's so he was also in that Looming Tower series with Tahar Rahim. And he was in the I don't know if you if you watched the uh the Jack Ryan series, the new one with uh John Krasinski. No. Um, he's in the first season of that. But so I I, I cast uh, Ali Suleiman as as Prince Faisal. I went with, again, I'm probably going to butcher a lot of these names. The main actor from Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, Rami Malek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yes. Just, I just pulled up. I actually have his page pulled up right now. Yeah. I went with him for Faisal. I like that. Okay. And, and I, I don't really have a whole lot of explanation for that one. I, it just, again, I was looking for somebody that was, you know, ethnically accurate. At least to a degree. I know he is Middle Eastern. He's, he's I, I think he's Egyptian. That's what I was thinking, Egyptian, yeah. Yeah, so he, he's Middle Eastern, and I felt like he was a, a young character that could could be Sharif's son, because that is, there, there's an age difference there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll throw out Riz Ahmed, just because he was nominated for an Oscar this year. Uh, okay. Pac- Pakistani. I think he's a little too young. Uh, I, I think... I, not not for uh, Sh- Sharif Ali, not necessarily, right? Oh, no, 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 for, for Faisal. Oh yeah, I would agree. I I yeah, I'd throw him him for Sharif Ali, yeah. Yeah. Um and then so I then I cast uh I cast Auda Abu Tai, who is um that's Anthony Quinn in the original. Okay. Uh I cast him as Ashraf Barhom, who's another Arab actor. The the only big like Hollywood movie that you probably have seen him in is The Kingdom. It's a Peter Berg movie. Uh, it's like a suicide bombing attack happens in Saudi Arabia, and then there's like the FBI agents that have to go investigate it. Sounds familiar, but I don't think I've seen it. Anyways, in that movie, Ashraf Barhom is the like head Saudi cop that's like their guide in that movie. And then the last two, th- these were just kind of like they're minor characters in the movie, but I wanted to to cast them just because I don't know. It's just like more more fun. So General <laughs> Allenby, Jack Hawkins is General Allenby in the original, um, and I cast, it's a Christopher Nolan movie, I needed an older British dude with some gravitas, so I went with Kenneth Branagh. Oh, I was going to say, it's, it's, uh, you almost have to have a Michael Caine at some point, though, because uh, he's required to be in every Nolan movie. He's t- he's- 
He's way too old. Okay, okay. He'll be he'll be have a cameo in some scene somewhere in some office. Yeah. 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 He's like one of the officers for the RAF or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the last character that I cast Again, just for fun, the Claude Rains character from the original Mr. Dryden, who's kind of like a... He's an amalgamation of a bunch of different historical figures. There, there isn't actually a Mr. Dryden in real life, but he's just kind of like the British intelligence guy that is talking to Lawrence a few times during the movie. And uh, I cast that as Martin Freeman. Okay. Oh, good. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, Ooh. yeah. Who I think would also be a perfect choice if you're doing an older... Going for an older T.E. Lawrence, I think Martin Freeman would be a good choice. Interesting. I like that. He's he's maybe a little bit too old, but... I did yeah. look at him for a role, too, and I don't remember which role I was looking at him for. I did have a couple of those actors as well uh, that I wanted to mention, or a couple of those roles that I pitched. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Abu Tai. Abu Tai. Mm-hmm. I actually cast as Wentworth Miller, the actor from Prison Break. Okay. Who is actually of Middle Eastern descent as well, or at least half, oh. I believe. So a little bit darker complected. And I, I picked him for that role uh, because Abu Tai is the leader of that of the Arab tribe that was allegedly the best fighters in the desert. And I just kind of felt like he could portray mm. that kind of strong character. He kind of has that that look to him. And then I actually cast Winston Churchill and Lady Houston because I was going beyond just the, T, the Lawrence of Arabia script and going for his kind of whole journey. So... Winston Churchill, I didn't really feel great about this pick, but I picked Colin Firth. Okay. Because yeah, I was looking for some... I feel like this is the role that is most dependent on your appearance. Yeah. <laughs> but you can do so much with prosthetics and stuff now. Like, like they did with like they do with Oldman, yeah. I was going to say, Gary Oldman played Winston Churchill, and he doesn't look anything like Winston Churchill. But he, That's I true. Mean, he did in the movie. Right. Yeah. I just felt like uh, Colin Firth kind of has a little bit rounder face, similar to Churchill. Um, and, and obviously it's playing a younger version of Churchill because it's True. prior to him being oh, prime yeah, minister. Uh, so I didn't feel great about that pick, but it was a pick. And then Lady Houston, who was the like wealthy lady that he basically ended up like working with afterwards and like being on her yacht and stuff. Uh, and she was like big into the women's rights movements in the UK. I picked Kate Winslet because okay. I wanted somebody that was a little bit older than Tom Holland uh, and felt like she could have a strong personality uh, to kind of play that role. Okay, I'm I'm kind of again I'm 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 kind of more on the the story side here of everything. So <laughs> here's what I'm seeing now. I'm, I'm kind of just kind of taking it all in. I'm gonna I'm gonna come in here. Here's kind of the overview. Now it's gonna be hard to fit this all into one film, and it might actually be longer than the original, or we might have to just bump it to like an HBO kind of like six episode kind of thing here. But I think this kind of ties in everything we've all been saying in a way that hopefully everybody will be happy with. So we kind of have this either voiceover or casting an actor more toward the end of Lawrence's life. And he's basically reflecting on all the exploits and coming to the graphs that are coming to deal with the idea that he's never going to be able to reclaim this glory he had in his 20s or this life he tried to live in his 20s. And he's almost like a has-been here in his late 30s into his early 40s and just kind of depressed about everything. Reflecting back, so we go back to his childhood and see his humble origins, while also then getting into his love of Arab culture and learning the Arab language and getting into the exploits there and recruited by the British thing. And then the beats kind of just do play out as we see in Lawrence of Arabia, but but maybe we're always kind of cutting back and forth to who he was, who he is, who he wants to be, and just kind of focusing on the character. But you still have these big set pieces with all the battles and the great special effects and the authentic casting. We were actually speaking Arabic with subtitles and 
how he's just kind of this jack of all trades and in this world making things happen behind the scenes and ultimately just kind of fading into obscurity into a life that he's ultimately not sure if he's happy with or not. Is that, is that about what we're looking for? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. It's been greenlit. Oh so, oh, so what's it called? What's our title? Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was going to be titled um, The Seven Pillars and the Adventures of T.E. Lawrence. Okay. Something okay. along those lines. Or se- Seven Pillars, the Adventures of T.E. Lawrence. Okay. I might even just, I'll do the, I'll do the uh, Justin Timberlake thing from, you know, uh, Social Network, you know. So I'll say, how about we just go with The Seven Pillars? Yeah. There you and go. Just right there. Okay. Okay. All right. Gentlemen, I think that serves pretty darn well as our gauntlet throwdown for a new movie about T.E. Lawrence. So the opponent, the other one we're going to get to today is Cleopatra. So there's been way more movies about Cleopatra already made, although none as definitive as Lawrence of Arabia is for T.E. Lawrence. The most well-known, the one I did on the podcast, was the Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burton one from the 50s or 60s, whenever it came out. And uh, there was actually getting ready to do another one here with Gal Gadot. But so how would we approach Cleopatra? Starting either again, like we said, with either the casting or the plot or however you want to approach this. So I I do think we should definitely talk about director and, and plot as well. But I did want to mention... Prior to doing my research, I did no research on the new Cleopatra movie, so I actually did cast Gal Gadot as Cleopatra as well. Without knowing? Without knowing. I found it out afterwards, (laughs) and I was like, Nice, uh, nice. But we can talk about why I cast her later. Um, So I already mentioned that I'm going Christopher Nolan as the director for Cleopatra, because I actually wanted, wanted that Dark Knight feel to Cleopatra. I want, like, the dark, suspenseful, twisted look at cleopatra at first and I, again i didn't do directors at a time so i'm just kind of doing this off off the cuff here the first name that came to mind i don't know why but uh tom hooper uh who has also done a good mix of character stuff with uh epic stuff so he was like the king speech guy and i think atonement so he's definitely good with the uh, big casts and was still keeping the character stuff uh first and foremost i went in a well i went in a similar similar direction to joe but like just more extreme so <laughs> quentin I, tarantino like, i i really <laughs> wanted to get into the like dark twisted almost creepy stuff mm. um so i went with ari aster who is the director of hereditary and midsummer so like straight up okay like psychological thriller suspense very visceral and bloody almost horror movie about Cleopatra's life. Interesting. interesting. Um, and again, I, I so another one that if you want to go that direction, I was going to say maybe like a Nicholas Winding Refn who did uh, Drive and Valhalla mm-hmm. would be uh, we another take there. I I did write. I I would argue. So Gal Gadot is thirties or just turned thirty six uh, last month here at the time of recording, and Cleopatra died at the age of thirty nine. So as young as Gal Gadot does look, you could argue she's maybe a little old. So I would maybe kind of go similar to like we did with T. E. Lawrence and try to skew a little younger. I didn't have a lot of great ideas. The name I wrote down was a, a Florence Pugh, uh, who can maybe play her at a lot of different ages. Who was in Midsummer? Oh, that's right. I <laughs> wish <laughs> um, I haven't seen because I don't watch the horror movies. And she's one too. So I, I kind of want to get away from, and they did a great job of this in the series Rome. 
of not focusing on the beauty. And basically, I'm going to argue Gal Gadot's almost too good looking <laughs> for the Cleopatra I'm going for. Not that Florence Pugh's not, but you can play Florence Pugh down easier than you can play Gal Gadot down. I literally put in here, I'm totally going to play into the misconception that she's beautiful. Okay. It's going gonna, it's gonna <laughs> to sell tickets. Like, let's be honest. Oh, that's true. You're taking like the studio exec. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking we're, we're trying to make a big Hollywood blockbuster. I want to sell tickets. I want Gal Gadot posted on that poster. <laughs> <laughs> so I, when I go through my plot, I'll run through like the rest of the characters because I cast a bunch. But for Cleopatra... Um, and this is actually, so this is a callback to Rich and I's Track Nerds episode where we were talking about our 10 favorite movies of the decade. And I wanted to cast someone who's good looking, but not in a way that's like distracting or I don't know. We, we were talking about Alicia Vikander in mm. Ex Machina and how she looks like, oh, if you just like told Perfect. an artist, draw me a <laughs> yeah. picture of a pretty girl's face. You get Alicia Vikander's face. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. She's just that kind of perfect doll almost, yeah. Right. So that's that's who I went with. She is 32, 32 or 33. 32. I just I had to google her so I could put a picture of the face or to the name. Yeah, so she so she is 32, so she's right in the perfect age range there and because my plot kind of spans over you know, a, a little bit longer period of time. I wanted someone who could play in their 20s, but then also maybe, you know, into their 30s too. Um, so I, yeah, that's who I went with was uh, Alicia Vikander. And uh, let's go a little on the story here before we come back in some of our other casting though. Although we bring you up uh, okay. ex, ex Machina, maybe think, oh, I'm putting Oscar Isaac in this, which I didn't have down initially. <laughs> so this is a tricky one too, because again, it's, it's there's so much to her story. So I didn't necessarily focus on a lot of specific plot points. Although I did write down some for earlier on, but for me, it, again, it comes down to the character and I want to shift away from... <laughs> Unlike Joe here, I guess I want to shift away <laughs> from the focus on her sexuality and focus what I do believe was honestly what made her so interesting at the time and fascinating and irresistible and just her charisma and just how brilliant and whip sharp and fascinating she was as a conversationalist and that just everyone who was in her presence was just enthralled by her. And the beauty was almost secondary, if it was, if it even existed at all. She might not have, she might have been fairly ordinary and was just a fascinating intellect. And I really want to kind of lean into to that. Although I guess at the same time, you do have uh, Mark Antony, who supposedly said he saw her at fourteen and was like in love with her at first sight. So that was before he even really even talked to her, maybe. But that is where I want to open. So I want to open. So when her and her dad were in exile in Rome, basically living at Pompey's place just outside of Rome, while her sister had taken the throne of Egypt. And I want to start there. So she's about 14, hanging out in Rome and kind of learning politics from that side of things with her father in exile and how they're going to try to get the throne back with the help of Rome, where that gives us a chance to meet Pompey. She can meet a young Mark Antony, but we don't focus on that yet because we'll get to that relationship later. But just the idea that maybe there's, you know, a quick little exchange of glances or whatever, but that's kind of secondary. And then Caesar is just the guy that they're talking about. And so you build up Caesar as just the guy who's off screen elsewhere doing all these crazy, amazing things. And this legend of Caesar is building off screen, even for us as the viewer. And then we kind of get back into 
her father being reinstated and dealing with her siblings there. And we just kind of see this teenage Cleopatra who's already crazy smart, maybe helping out her father with translations as people come to deal with him and just kind of more on that side of it and getting into building up her as just this super smart, competent person who's destined to lead before we get into the fallout of how does she actually take the throne? How does she actually lead? How does she deal with her brother and the whole beheading of Pompey and Caesar coming to Egypt thing? And a lot of those beats are similar to what we've seen in other movies, but I want to establish it more based on her as opposed to her being secondary to like the men in the world at the time. Who are you casting in those roles? Julius Caesar and, and her father and Ptolemy. Um, if, if you didn't, I would say if you didn't, whatever. I did. Like, uh, I, I oh, okay. did. It's it, 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 it just kind of funny. Well, let's talk about our, our our varying interests. And I'm just like, I enjoy, the casting stuff is fine. But like that just is so lower down on my radar that I'm like, <laughs> no, let's, let's talk about the movie. We'll cast it later. <laughs> so, yes, fine, Logan. I did have. Uh, actually, I had for, for Julius Caesar, I actually had Michael Fassbender across him out. And I put like either like a like a Javier Bardem or a Daniel Craig type. Okay. I had Michael Fassbender playing Caesar in mine. Okay. Okay. I, I was always kind of even leaning Daniel Craig, especially because he's get, he's getting, I mean, he's in his 50s now or whatever. And just kind of, I think that gravitas is there. You may even gray him up a little bit and just that stern face that he can have, but also be funny. I went Daniel Day-Lewis. I put, oh, see, I put I, him as maybe uh, her father. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, just, I wanted someone who's going to be, yeah, you know, older, kind of gray, but, you know, still looks like he's able to a badass <laughs> yeah a, a badass able to able to to lead rome and someone with uh, you know like a just a crazy amount of gravitas and on-screen presence and i yeah okay I'd landed on daniel day lewis i think he'd do a great job yeah i i put i put him as ptolemy the 12th to be her father so that, you know i'm talking about them starting kind of with him in exile so you get to have mm-hmm. and maybe maybe it is just a florence pew age down with daniel day lewis as her father and they're ptolemy the 12th and clearly young cleopatra uh, to start off with. So I actually did not cast Ptolemy the Twelfth because I actually wanted the movie to start a bit later. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like after he's already gone. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't cast Ptolemy the Twelfth either. Okay. I actually envisioned it starting with the conflict between her and her brother. Oh, and yeah. I envisioned yeah. The, the the opening scene being her fleeing Alexandria and, and just really okay. building up as this big traumatic, like suspenseful scene of like Probably overplaying what it was. Escape for survival, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like an, like an escape that like soldiers are hunting after her and she's fleeing out of Alexandria from her brother. I like that, yeah. It's a little more dramatic of a start, which is probably more appropriate. Especially for the versatile pace you guys have. I do like the idea of having flashbacks, uh, especially like as you mentioned, the, the meeting of Mark Antony. I feel like that is probably something important and I hadn't really thought about that initially. But I think having that flashback prior to... Mark Antony coming into her life as an adult uh, is probably important. Yeah, and I, like, I think I like bookending it. The other thing I did, I kind of mentioned, this is kind of jumping all over the place, but again, I'm looking more thematically than beat by beat here, is so a lot of times it's portrayed as Cleopatra being Antony's downfall and that because of his love for her, he gave up everything and mm. ultimately failed. Whereas I want to shift that to, no, Antony is her downfall. She was leading Egypt, and obviously they were still kind of underneath Rome to some extent. But she was she led for ten years, obviously even with Antony, and just but focus on how what she could have accomplished and done even more for Egypt if she had ruled for another twenty, thirty years. If she hadn't gotten involved with all of Antony's mess over in Rome, and just kind of make it more about 
him bringing her down as opposed to the reverse that I feel like it's often portrayed as. I like that. That is it's very deep. It's a lot deeper than I went for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I went more just like a just kind of tell the story. And I didn't even Mark Antony is almost even like more towards the end of what I wanted to do, like story, because there's so much like you can't fit her whole life into one movie. Oh, I know. Right. But that's why it's so tough to do. Yeah, you have to pick kind of like what time period you want to go with. So I went, I'm starting mine when she gets kind of forced into the civil war between Julius Caesar and, and Pompey. So that's that's the start of mine. Yeah, Julius Caesar I had as Daniel Day-Lewis, and then Pompey I have as uh, Ralph Fiennes. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Rafe. You, you always say that wrong. It's it's Rafe. Oh, Rafe Fiennes. And then her, her brother, uh, Ptolemy the 13th, I have Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things. Oh, which one's he? I'm going to have to look that up. Like, he's the... the oh, yes, yes, oh, yes. Oh, yeah, okay. skinny white kid with brown hair, but that's like so all I, of them. So I, yeah. I looked at him, too. I was going to argue he's too old. Yes, oh. but again, I, like, the age doesn't really matter that much to me. Because, again, like, I, I'm having Alicia Vikander play Cleopatra for the whole movie, even though at the beginning she's probably, like, a teenager, and then by the end right, she's right. going to be in her late 20s. Right. I'm just, just for the sake of simplicity and for, because you can't, unless I get Richard Linklater to direct and we're just going to actually make it in real time and it's just going to be the same actress as a 14-year-old and it's going to be, like, a 15-year project. <laughs> <laughs> that got me so excited. <laughs> <laughs> That is what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I cast your brother as uh, Noah Jupe from Honey Boy. So to get oh, a little, okay. to get a little younger, because I just think how young he, he's almost like a, this uh, Joffrey Baratheon type, as far as yeah. how petulant and young and uh, tyrannical he is. I I thought that Finn Wolfhard would do a good job because I don't like his character in Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> I find him very obnoxious and unlikable, and so I. I don't know if that's Finn Wolfhard himself. I don't know anything about the guy, but he does a great job playing that in uh, Stranger Things, and I think that he would be a very good, petulant, spoiled little brat of a king trying to fight a war. And I think it would be very cathartic to watch Finn Wolfhard drown in a river. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually went even further about not caring about age, actually. Anthony Hopkins as Tommy the 13th. <laughs> I really wanted, well, first off, before I even get into who I cast as Tommy the 13th, I, I didn't mention with Gal Gadot because obviously we, we do know that Cleopatra was of Greek descent and I totally abandoned that as well because I wanted her to kind of seem as this exotic beauty. So I, I did play into that. So I did keep Ptolemy the 13th and Arsinoe as similarly complected. Uh, but again, I really wanted him to come off as this menacing villain for the first half of the movie. And so to me, I, I repeated an actor that I cast for the T.E. Lawrence with Rami Malek. Um, mm. And again, I'm probably mispronounced that again, but I, I feel like... Just Malek, yeah. Malek. Because um, he he actually played... Who was it that he played in Night at the Museum? Um, and I, I know that's a oh, terrible, uh, terrible reference there, but... Tutankhamun. Yeah, okay, yeah. So you, you played King Tut in... Not at the museum, so he's already kind of played that that Egyptian oh, role. Yeah, and uh, and I do feel that he he has a strong enough appearance to play kind of that menacing villain to Cleopatra. Um, and so I also did very much plan on 
downplaying or not even mentioning the the incest aspect, um, and that's entirely <laughs> that's entirely to appeal to an American audience. Yeah, and not turn yeah. them off for that. Game, Game of Thrones, though, man, plenty of incest. Well, you're right, but <laughs> <laughs> I did want to appeal to a larger audience, and and so I totally neglect that, and I don't even include Ptolemy the Fourteenth. Now, at the same time, too, it's so obviously as as inbred as Cleopatra was. I've not ran across much evidence that she had a sexual relationship with either of her brothers. Even if they were married, it might have just been on paper. And I don't know if either of those were consummated. A political thing. Mostly a ceremonial thing just to show that there is a male ruler there with her. Right, right. right. Isn't that kind of like, even though she was the one who was in charge, it was on paper that there is also a male ruler. People were weird about that stuff. Yeah. Right. And with the ages of her brothers, it just doesn't make sense that she would actually have slept with her brothers, I don't think. Now, yeah. given another, if they had not fought her and lived for another five years, that, that'd be a different story. But Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's safe to leave it out, yeah. Arsinoe, I actually went with Jamie Alexander, who plays uh, Lady Sif in Thor. You might have to look up a picture. You'd recognize her when you see her. But I felt like, again, she, she kind of has a similar appearance to Gal Gadot and can also play a badass female character she is significantly older than Arsinoe probably would have been and again that's me taking some discrepancies with age okay oh just just another pronunciation thing i it, i it, it is actually gal gadot because she's not french she's israeli so like when, uh, when she gal gadot sorry yeah. i do mispronounce that every time i've heard it i've heard it said both ways i think it i think it is gadot but i, I have heard people pronounce it gal gadot too so i honestly wasn't sure <laughs> Uh, no, so when, she, when she first kind of got famous, it went from everyone's like, oh, okay, uh, they're pronouncing the T. And they're like, oh, wait, we're dumb. You don't pronounce like T's like that. And then everyone's like, no, 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 she's not French. She's Israeli. You do pronounce the T. So oh, okay. I, I've, heard, I've, heard her say, I've heard her say it with Asgadot. Oh, gotcha. So my apologies if, <laughs> if Gal Gadot is listening to this and I've been mispronouncing her name. Ow. <laughs> Editor Rich jumping in here to say that I was confidently wrong there probably happens more often than i would like to admit so i was correct that she pronounces the t but it's gal gadot not gal gadot ow <laughs> let's see so yeah I, I interesting too it's another one and again there's a reason both these people are in the championship because their lives covered so much ground that it is hard to encapsulate into a single film and I definitely err on the side of wanting to tell it all, even if that's not the best way to do it. And I think Joe's talk of flashbacks is probably maybe the answer. And you start a little more, oh, it's in Medius Ray or whatever, in the middle of the action, and then have flashbacks maybe is a better way than trying to start from the beginning. Of course, her story is one you kind of have to go to the end. I mean, you can't, T. Lawrence, you can maybe kind of do like they did in Lawrence of Arabia, where you just kind of fade to his later years but cleopatra without the suicide is kind of oh, like I, not the movie i didn't oh I really did, i i didn't go to the end and i barely even have in my so in my plot line mark antony is barely in it at all interesting because i so i'm only going from so she's in the civil war and her little shithead of a brother executes ray fines <laughs> and then you know she, we have the her uh, meeting with Caesar and the seas of Alexandria and uh, Ptolemy dying and then her relationship with Caesar a little bit. Then her, she goes to Rome and then kind of that's not really the climax, but more towards the end of the movie. And this is something that I really like that Ari Aster does in his movies is he's really good at ending movies 
on a like a real bummer like a like a not happy <laughs> ending at all like it's just some like horrific murder or something and so i'm having the end of my movie be julius caesar's assassination so basically just at the you know she's going to to rome and it's like it looks like things are you know oh cleopatra's life is going great she's got this kid with julius caesar he's like you know coming back to rome and then the end of the movie is him just getting murdered and so I wanted, oh, and I, another thing I wanted to include was her meeting Cicero, because I just thought that that was a funny, uh, oh, fun thing. Oh, that he didn't like her? Her story is, every, right, everyone is like, you know, super enthralled with her, except when Cicero meets her, he's like, uh, yeah, you're not really that big of a deal, lady. Uh, so <laughs> I have uh, Brennan Gleason playing Cicero. Oh, nice. And then at the end of the movie, when Julius Caesar is getting assassinated, I wanted to have some kind of hints to uh, Mark Antony and Octavian teaming up after the fact. So I, I did cast Mark Antony as Chris Pine. That's exactly who I had as Mark <laughs> Antony also. And then for Octavian, I cast Timothy Chalamet. Oh, nice. Okay. I, 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 wanted like, someone that. I a, like that. Gravitas, but a, a little younger. And then finally, for the, for the final scene in the movie, uh, stabbing to death, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis as Julius Caesar is going to be uh, Ben Barnes playing Brutus. And Joseph Gordon Levitt playing Cassius. <laughs> and uh, Mark Antony is where I had Michael Fassbender uh, at first, but I, or or like a, maybe a Pedro Pascal. But then uh, when you mentioned uh, Ex Machina or, and, and Vikander, I was like, oh no, Oscar Isaac is Mark Antony. Oscar and Isaac. I, yeah, and I couldn't. I, once I had him, I was like, oh, yep, no, I can't even think of anybody else. Like it has to be Oscar, Oscar Isaac as Mark Antony. <laughs> I thought he'd be perfect. I, yeah, the, the ending with the Caesar assassination is. Uh, I kind of see what you're going for, but, uh, no. (laughs) 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 Like, uh, now now it it is interesting though. She kind of does need to be a miniseries or a series of movies. Like I could definitely see if you, if you're doing a planned trilogy, definitely in part one with, uh, the Caesar assassination, I, I can definitely get behind that. But if you're just saying it's a one-off and that's the end, I just that just so seems so unsatisfying. It's just it's a it is a different take. It is a different take. It's, it's almost a, getting away from the history history side. We're of going things, for yeah. different objectives. You're trying to right. you in your movie want to tell this this story about <laughs> you know about uh, Mark Antony being Cleopatra's downfall and everything. Whereas in my movie, I want to make an Ari Aster horror movie that just happens to have. Cleopatra and Julius Caesar as the characters and you know I, I'm not really concerned really even with historical accuracy I just want a really dark creepy movie that ends on a shitty bummer of a down note just like Ari Aster's movies do I, I mean I, I know you haven't seen no ha- have either of you seen either Hereditary or uh Midsummer? I have not I do have you, not do, do you plan nope. on watching them like are you are you okay if I drop a, a spoiler real fast well uh we have we do have an audience that might be <laughs> okay well, well all right. spoiler alert <laughs> yeah spoiler alert for Skip hereditary ahead. spoiler alert for hereditary and Midsummer. but they both end not not happy in Midsummer, the movie ends with Florence Pugh ordering her, the deaths of her friends who are burned to death in a in a barn and then in Hereditary, Alex Wolf's character finds out that he's now a demon. Mm. So it's like they they both end on these like really dark, sad, not fun to watch moments. And I just think that that would be so cool to have a horror movie 
but it's all basically true events from history. I, I can get behind that. Julius Caesar's I, yeah. assassination being the end. I, I see the approach, and I, and I do like the kind of novelty of telling that type of almost intentionally unsatisfactory horror film using actual events. And it's interesting that you could get there from Cleopatra, especially if you look at some of the... You, know, you, would, you would lean into the incest in that and then get into, obviously, the beheading of Ptolemy. Yeah, and then in the Caesar's... Yeah. I, I, I can see what you're going for there. I don't watch those kinds of movies. <laughs> <laughs> Rich wants to smile at the end of his movie. Well, I'm not saying that. I, I, I'm all for a dark ending, but also you can have dark and satisfying at the same time. It seems like it's being intentionally contrarian in, in some ways. And, uh, but I, I, it is an interesting approach. <laughs> yeah, it's two, it's two completely different films, though. Like I think, yeah, I think with T. Lawrence, we yeah. got to a compromise that kind of made everybody happy. Oh yeah, there's no, there's we're not going to be able to match these movies together. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we could definitely deal it with. Uh, you can make it kind of really, really gritty. Obviously, the uh, and I don't know what direction they're going to go with the Gal Gadot version here coming out, but definitely the uh, the Elizabeth Taylor version is not gritty at all so the violence you could definitely go a game of thrones type route with a lot of the visceral violence that was just commonplace at the time i mean ptolemy the 13th literally had pompey beheaded and handed the head over to julius caesar as like this great prize he thought he would like that's dark you could definitely lean into those those kinds of things the anthony's suicide and just the there's definitely room for dark here but yeah, it is just a lot to try to pack into one film because I do feel like her early life leading up to her meeting Julius Caesar and then going, following him to Rome where he's assassinated, that's definitely a movie by itself. And the idea that most of these films about her do that as part one and then get to the Anthony stuff as part two is just kind of too much. I, I would agree with that. It almost needs to be a movie in its sequel with, you know, part one is Julius Caesar, part two is Anthony. <laughs> Despite everything I just said about not wanting to focus on the men, they definitely kind of divide up the chapters really well. And when she's just kind of ruling relatively peacefully for 10 years with Antony being kind of in and out of her life and they have kids together, that's it's almost so domestic that there's maybe less interesting stuff going on film wise. But there's definitely a lot to get into there as well. Yeah, I don't know. Joe, what was your kind? You said you started with the the battles with uh, her brother and them. I, I think that is a good place to start. I think I was kind of more in between the two of you because I think I did want to finish out her life. I, I think, and I think regardless, this story doesn't end happy. Like, no, especially right, if you're right. painting yeah, Cleopatra as the main character, like she ends up dying in the end. Like, it's not, it's not a, a happy ending, regardless. But I, I again, I, I think. I wanted to tie in the flashbacks. I liked Rich's idea of the uh, Mark Antony being her downfall. I think that was kind of a, an interesting take there. And at the same time, I, I did really want that dark, twisted, very gritty movie. You know, like I said, I, I cast Christopher Nolan as the director for that. I, I want that Dark Knight feel to Cleopatra. I want her to be that almost villain that you root for throughout the movie. Right. Her killing off her sister and killing off her brother. Like, I want it to be this almost twisted person that you're rooting for the entire movie. And then obviously ends in her downfall as well. Yeah, I think we talked about last time her being kind of a real life Cersei in a lot of ways. Yeah. And okay, well, here's okay. I did think of a way to maybe get everybody what they want here a little bit. So if we, we take Logan's idea of this 
dark, just kind of like life isn't fair, everything sucks ending. But you you so you can get you can get the Ari Aster ending, but it's with the post Antony and Cleopatra's suicide. When she died, her hope was that her children would succeed her succeed her. So oh right, the Ari Aster ending is the basically the slaughter of first Caesarian by Octavian, mm-hmm. and then even her kids with Antony just kind of fade into obscurity. And the two boys were almost well, it's my opinion, almost certainly killed because they just kind of drop away from the historical record and it seems weird that no one's talking about them being murdered so i think there's your Ari Aster ending is that her sons are killed and that her hope dies after her even if she never knows about it maybe she had some hope when she died you know and has this whole plan as she's committing suicide and that's all kind of dark and sad but there's hope and then the Ari Aster ending is that hope squashed and the thousands of years of egyptian pharaohs ends with the deaths of her sons. And you could definitely lead into that side of it to maybe give you that kind of ending, which I don't think any other movie for Cleopatra really goes into. So there you go. We, did, we, we found the compromise that gets everybody a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of what they want there. So uh, it's definitely an epic tale in scope. And yeah, it's a, it's a big story. There's a lot to tell, but uh, I think a darker, more visceral route is maybe the way to go that we haven't seen yet. I'm very curious to see which direction they take the, Gal Gadot version because I haven't even seen anything about it other than her being cast. So I just hope it's good. No, right. I I <laughs> I was just assuming they're going to go the standard route, just a historical epic. Now it does have of... Patty Jenkins, uh, who did Wonder Woman as the director. Oh, and Monster yeah. with Charlize Theron. So, which I mean, talk about two disparate movies there. But I do like the idea of a female director. So hopefully they can accomplish some of the things I was saying. But I mean, I don't want it to be like Wonder Woman. But again, I think at Monster, I'm like, oh, no, nothing else is cast. There's not even a release date or anything. It's it's just it's just all in pre-production. But mm-hmm. and it says film a feature film based on the life of the powerful Egyptian leader. So we don't really know much there yet. But it would be nice to see it go. Hey, maybe we'll be prophetic that we're like, oh, yeah, we nailed it. They went dark. (laughs) And Gal Gadot has, I I just pulled it up on IMDb, Gal Gadot has a story by credit on it, too. Hmm. Oh, huh. So, she, yeah, I I just saw that, too. So she must uh, definitely help as far as, again, honestly, behind closed doors, they're doing essentially what we're doing here over the course of weeks and months where you're hashing these things out and then taking it Mm -hmm. and typing stuff up and then having those meetings again and just figuring out when there's obviously we're really doing it there's other considerations but that is kind of how i wanted to direct this whole episode which is kind of having that pitch meeting and i do think we kind of came up with some interesting takes i think we did kind of deviate from existing movies and uh i i like what we accomplished here today gentlemen i'm clicking through imdb right now and the writer for the gal gadot cleopatra movie also is the creator of the Altered Carbon Netflix series. Have you seen that? No, I, I've heard of it. I, guess, I don't know much about it. Okay, it's, again, dark, gritty, very violent. Okay. I'm kind of excited now, actually, for, for this Gal Gadot clean movie. <laughs> it might be pretty good. <laughs> okay, nice, nice. I, I get it. It just kind of depends on how much, what, what their scope is. Are they trying right. to do the whole life, or do they kind of narrow their focus... Again, I, and I think that having the, the female-driven side of things will shift that focus where I've been wanting to see it, that it's not about yeah. how hot she is or that she altered the lives of these great men. It's like, no, 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 she was great, and we're going to focus on that. So, yes, now this is the championship 
matchup. So we've kind of hashed out different movies. Both would be great. I'd love to see both of those. Uh, that's not necessarily what I guess we're voting on. We're not voting on which movie we want greenlit. That would be a different direction than what we've gone the whole tournament. So we're going to see that more as just kind of a way to have this conversation we've had today. So we need to vote now for who is the most interesting person in history. Is it Cleopatra? Is it T.E. Lawrence? And I'll go ahead and start. Yeah, uh, yeah you go. You go ahead. You go first. And and not to. I know. I feel like if everyone's listening, it's it's uh almost becomes predictable which way we're gonna go. And we we definitely bring our own biases to to all this. And I and I yet again, I just feel like I've been crapping on T. E. Lawrence this whole tournament. And I, <laughs> I I do I do think he is endlessly fascinating of a figure. And I do think that there's maybe a a more Oh, introspective version of his life story that we could see on film and I would like to see on on film without remaking Lawrence of Arabia because I think it's kind of sacrilegious to relake, remake those mm. uh, classics like that. And Cleopatra, I feel like we have not got that definitive holy crap version and uh, I would like to see that. But yeah, dude, I mean, Cleopatra is the most interesting person in history. <laughs> <laughs> she just just all the different aspects and all the, all you, you, we talk about how much, you know, material there is to tell interesting stories. And you could do a whole movie on each little six month period or window of her life. And there's just so much here. And I still feel like she's underrated in a way in like the cultural zeitgeist today. She's kind of just this name that no one really knows much about. And I think the more we kind of dug into her throughout this tournament, the more she won me over with her charisma. I'm, I'm <laughs> get, get put me in line behind Julius Caesar and Mark Antony. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and we, we talked about bringing her to the modern world and just how she would just fit in at any time. She's timeless. Cleopatra is timeless and i think no matter when she was born or what circumstances she's born into she would have risen to become one of the most interesting people of her time and she is the most interesting person in history and i know we were kind of narrowing it down to just those we've talked about on our bracket in movies you know throughout this this whole project here of world history one movie at a time but i mean we made sure to hit obviously milestone people and she was a big one i think she just she just comes out on top and uh that's the way I'm voting. Just because the audience is probably more likely to know which way Logan is voting, let's roll to Logan and then we'll end with Joe. Okay. That's what I was going to uh, say as well. So I, let Logan go. I, I think you might be surprised. I, I know that I've been basically like the T.E. Lawrence shill for this entire tournament. <laughs> I've, I've just been like just an absolute fanboy every time we talk about him. I am so fascinated with his life and his exploits especially you know the fact that he was able to get that amount of you know notoriety and have those adventures all because of him you know not because of his birth or his money or titles or anything like that he just liked what he liked and it led him on the path that was his life but All that being said, he is going up against Cleopatra, who uh, I, I think just the way that we talked about our movies kind of highlighted this. But yeah, like you said, you could make a movie about every six months of her life for her entire life. It's just insane the amount of stuff that she was a part of, the amount of stuff that she influenced, the amount of, you know, huge world events that have her fingerprints on them. It's 
insane that she was able to do all that and that that is an actual story that actually happened in real life in history like you can't even write it you can't even you couldn't even make it up because it's so crazy and so interesting and so as as much as it pains me to vote against T.E. Lawrence I am also voting for Cleopatra uh that being said out of all of these movies, I think Joe's T.E. Lawrence movie is the one that I would greenlit. Out of out of out of all of them, <laughs> out of all six movies that we talked about, I think Joe had the best the best movie. After that, I undersold that, myself that, there, the Martin Scorsese Seven Pillars, reminiscing on the life of T. God, that'd be such a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, it's going to end unanimous. Looking back several weeks ago, I actually voted against Cleopatra and picked Puyi, if you recall. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. He was a very much obscure underdog, and I think that's kind of why I picked him in retrospect. Uh, you know, it was that new story, but, you know, as it, as it comes down to it, and actually, I, I believe this might be the first female character I've actually picked, uh, not to come off as sexist there, but <laughs> she is such a badass, like, and she she deserves to win this tournament. For sure. I mean, we, we talked about her versus Genghis Khan last week, and I was a big supporter of Genghis Khan, but she was hands down the winner there as well. And while I've enjoyed T.E. Lawrence and, and discussing him throughout the last several weeks, and, and I loved the movie pitch for it, I think Cleopatra is just, it's like you said, there's so much interesting stuff about her life. And so I think she is the clear winner of this bracket. It just feels right. And I, and I know it's weird to say, but like when we and I didn't have preconceptions on this when we when we started, like when we started with 32 names, I mean, I knew she was, you know, going to get out of the first couple rounds, probably. But like, I really didn't know how this would shake out at all when it's you know, I'm only one of three votes when we get down to it there, too. You can only dictate so much. And at, at the end of the day, it was going to matter more if if you guys had not teamed up against me. But just like, <laughs> uh, it, it could it could have gone a million different ways, or we could have both we could have all gotten enamored with Empress Matilda and like the upset angle. And there's a uh, you know Genghis Khan obviously could have just used one whole thing. Or going back to the beginning, if you know Wyatt Earp gets uh, gets the, out of the first round, I was just editing that episode here today, and oh, if yeah, I mean, if I if I didn't spend a Logan would have wrote him to if, the top. If, huh? if I would have had the points to get Wyatt up to the first round, we'd be we'd be all three voting for him right now, probably. <laughs> <laughs> or or Ivan the Terrible, if Joe had come on, you know, sooner and got Ivan the Terrible out there. Oh and yeah, us. and yeah, told us about yeah. the bear pits and stuff. He might have he might have lasted a little longer. The right. Stuff that we didn't even know about that he's like, oh yeah, no, there is all this other crazy stuff that you guys didn't even mention but yeah i I just feel like that if you're if you're gonna tell someone or someone's gonna listen to this whole tournament i feel like there's a feeling of satisfaction that it's it's hard to even if you had someone that you would have voted for ah you know she's cool but it's still like uh yeah i see it and i feel like if you just ask anybody uh who the most interesting person in the world ever was and if we said here's the arguments for cleopatra you're you're gonna convince a lot of people. Yeah. And uh she is interesting and we are going to declare her the most interesting person in history. And we we had made or well, I had made <laughs> listening to like the first couple episodes, we made like jokes about, oh well Leonardo da Vinci's not in this tournament and he would probably win the whole thing. Like we took that as a given. No. Yeah. No. Not not even cl- not even close. Not right. Even close. It- <laughs> no chance no right it's, it's it's yeah it's hard to envision anybody else 
that could rival her that we even didn't cover that we left off or whatever. And we yeah. talked about even some people we liked, you know, there, there's there's comps, you know, there's right. there's other queens of England that, you know, did things that are interesting. There's other old West guys that did things that are interesting. There's not really another Cleopatra. There just isn't. I I think that after going through the whole tournament, I think that it is a safe a safe thing to say that no matter how we organize it, I, I think one-on-one Cleopatra versus anyone else in this tournament, I think she still comes out on top. And, you know, because a lot of the time it's like, oh, well, you know, the way that we set up the tournament could have some influence definitely on who makes it how far, like whether people are getting eliminated in the first round or the second round. But I, I think in any matchup, one-on-one Cleopatra with anyone else that she would make it out on top. Right, versus does T. Lawrence even get past Genghis Khan and all those kinds of things? And Right. Exactly. Yeah, so so we did it. It's, you know, this is kind of a, this whole tournament has kind of been, not a time filler, but just kind of a transition project for us as we go from uh, our World History Project. This fall, we're going to get into our American History uh, 100. But yeah, so we're going to get into a couple more things. Before we get into American history, we're going to look at The Crown, and we're going to look at uh, the show Vikings, and kind of break those things down, and then uh, get into a world history 100 for you. American history. Oh, yep, sorry. Yeah, so get into an American (laughs) history 100 for you. So yeah, gentlemen, final thoughts before we uh, close this out? Uh, This was a lot of fun, and uh, I think we should definitely do one for American History 100 when we're done with that, because, yeah, this this was an absolute blast. It was a lot of research and a lot of writing, like, for the the notes and stuff, but, yeah, this was... This was a blast. Yeah, I, I hope it's been as much fun to listen to as it has been for us to kind of hash it all out. So we are having a lot of fun. Right. So so hopefully it's, <laughs> hopefully it's fun to listen to as well. And uh, and, and Joe, we'll, we'll try to include you as we can here uh, going forward. May have you pick up some of your favorite movies in American history and uh, have you on as a guest again there. Or again, back when we get to the next tournament in a few years. <laughs> <laughs> in 2025. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just yeah, kind of just to echo Logan. I mean, this has been a blast to, to get to be part of. So I'm super appreciative that you guys had me on here and got to be part of it. So obviously, moving forward, if there's opportunities to get me back on, I'd love to be back on. But this has been really uh, a satisfying project to work on. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And we will catch you later. <laughs> <laughs>